Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris Harrington on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. And joins me now. Chris, what are you listening to? That's uh, Pino World by Ike and Tina Carter. That's one of the last songs to appear on the Memphis Blues Box. This big uh, Memphis Blues collection that I wrote about, I guess, was published yesterday. And I guess I'll send that out to uh, Tiger Basketball World. Uh, that piece is up at the Daily Memphian. I have tweeted it out. In fact, Chris has two pieces up um, that I would commend to you. One is... Um, this piece on uh, this uh, Memphis Blues box set, and then a piece today on Vince Williams. Uh, they're both tremendous, and uh, honestly, reason to subscribe, reason alone to describe to to uh, subscribe to the Daily Memphian. Terrific stuff. Um, I may ask you about the Blues set in a moment here, but I want to focus on Vince Williams. Well, first of all, uh, the weekend. What did you What did you extract from the weekend of watching Grizzlies basketball? Uh, the weekend feels like feels like a month ago. I don't remember. They played <laughs> they, they played the Pacers yesterday, and they and, beat Orlando Friday. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that was fun. You know, they're playing really competitive basketball right now. Um, you know, they they're very uh, shorthanded, obviously, uh, maybe even more so than they were early in the season. But they're more stable than they were early in the season. They sort of some things have been found out about players, possibly negatively, since then that I think has helped them. Like the more stable lineups out there, even one of those being the guy I wrote about, Vince Williams Jr. And, you know, they play really competitive basketball. They have some guys playing well who who matter going forward. And I, you know, I, and sort of the pressure's off. And so I, I think it's been it's been enjoyable. Uh, one of the, yesterday yeah. was like you know you play a competitive game on the road, you pull up just short, and like you're fine either way because like. It's fun to win, and also it's fun to think about your draft pick. And so it's right. sort of like, you know, it's, it's all gravy, you know. Maybe, There's not much pre- pressure right now. Maybe you didn't mind Jaron sitting with his fifth foul quite as much yesterday, given, given all that. But we, I mean, yeah, given, given the circumstances, I'll certainly take a pass on something that I would complain about if it was a higher sink situation, yes. All right. Uh, all right, I want to get to the Vince stuff because it's a really good, interesting piece over at the Daily Memphis and Vince Williams. Um, and you start by identifying a couple moments, one from Friday, uh, that block on Paolo Bancaro. But then there was a sequence against the Suns that you do, you, you rank moments from the season when, it, when the season ends, but I, 
Right. I suspect this will be one that thoughts on those two that you identified and 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 what they say about Vince Williams. He he has he has a tendency. It's not just that he's like a classic three and D guy who's a good defender who makes shots, which is one thing. And it's not just that he's sort of three and D plus with the plus being like he is a he is a superb rebounder for his size, which I think is critically important for the Grizzlies. It's that the extra thing with him, and in the piece, I describe it as a combination of effort and instinct, that you put both those things together, he just finds ways to impact the game and make plays in all kinds of ways. And him making sort of a range of sort of winning plays late in close games is becoming sort of a thing. And so, like, the chase down block, the, the offensive rebound, the, 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 the hit-ahead pass, just all this just basketball stuff. Um, that's beyond just, you know, specialty plays. And I think the fact that he just, he has this composure about himself and this combination of effort instinct, he just finds ways to make winning plays all the time, which is what, that's what you want from, a, from great role players. And explain what inspired you to be uh, referring to Kurt Vonnegut in this particular piece. Well, he just, there's this thing with Vince Williams, and Drew's written about this a little bit already, but there's this thing, with, there's a sense of Vince Williams that he becomes a different player when the game starts. <laughs> right. um, that, that his personality changes, and that's sort of what Drew wrote about, but I think it's not just his personality, I think it's play. There's something about him that transforms when you put him into a game um, that's different from his personality off the floor, and seems to be, and, and this is hard to say because we're not there, but my sense is it seems to be different from like what he looks like in practice. And so there's this Kurt Vonnegut story. I read this in high school. It's like I guess it's maybe the I guess it's the third it's the third story in a collection, so I guess it's the third thing I ever read by Kurt Vonnegut. But it's a short story he wrote called Who Am I This Time? And it's just like a little ten page story, but I've always remembered it because I like it. And it's about this uh, this it's about a small town theater, amateur theater group, and there's this one actor who always does the lead roles and he's like this meek clerk at the hardware store and this nondescript guy and he's really shy but when you put a script in his hands you put him on the stage suddenly he's, he might as well be Marlon Brando and it's the, that that idea of like the transformation under the lights that sort of reminded me of that story I don't dwell on that but I did right. I did indulge yeah, yeah. myself to bring that up <laughs> um, well and it's interesting because one of the things you wrote about was it's taken a little bit to get here. Like it, where, and, and you asked, you you would sort of answer the question, where has he been? I mean, there's been the idea that he might be an interesting three and D guy since the day he was drafted. But he was the third wing drafted in that draft, and then he didn't. Like Kenneth Lofton Jr. became a fan favorite much more quickly than he did. Right. right? So wh- where the hell has he been? And and, and it was an yeah. it was an interesting rookie season in that he was healthy, but he didn't play. And so he played, he played 50, he appeared, he appeared in 15 Grizzlies games last season as a rookie, but barely. Like the only time he played more than 14 minutes, and I think it was like twice he played more than 10 minutes. The only time he played more than 14 minutes was game 82, which didn't matter. That's a game where, where Love did scored 40. And he literally shot one of, four, one of 14 from three in that game. That's Williams. And so you would think, okay, well, he's been in the G League. He's a two-way guy. He's playing in the G League. He right. didn't play in the G League. He, he appeared in a total of 15 games in the G League. Jake LaRavia played in more Memphis Hustle games last season than Vince Williams. And so he spent most of the season with the Grizzlies sitting on the bench watching and not playing, getting DNPs. 
And so, like, and I had this long, I ended up taking it out because the story was long enough as is. But I, asked, I tried to ask Taylor Jenkins about this after the Golden State game, and I basically said, you know, since, are you surprised by what Vince Williams has done since he's been in the rotation based on what you saw in practice before that point? Because I've talked to other people sort of, you know, not for attribution or basically, you know, in the past. It's like, yeah, you know, he's not really great. You know, he's a good player, but it's not like he's blowing people away in practice or whatever, you know? And so I was trying to get that out of Taylor Jenkins. And he gave me this typically Taylor Jenkins long, detailed, like when you transcribe it, it's like an enormous block of text that's lots of coach speak. And he doesn't quite say yes. Like he's a lot better than he was than we've seen before, but he kind of says that. I think there's something to that. I think there are just some guys, like say, Zach Randolph was like this, but it was different for him because he just didn't care about practicing. <laughs> but like there are some guys who are just better when, like, when, when, the, when you're, in, when you're in, in the atmosphere of a game. And I, I get the sense that Vince Williams is just better when he's in the atmosphere of a game. There's something about his his just feel for the game and whatever that he just sort of comes more alive in that in the heat of that that he has and like you know how's he looking in the play groups kind of stuff that they do right well you got to assume they they are surprised or he would have gotten his chance earlier ahead of other no. players right i mean they, they exactly 100 percent. so he could not have shown this um exactly um all right so then you uh then you uh expand on the james posey thing which you have which you've mentioned before on this show and elsewhere. Um, first of all, what kind of defensive player is he relative to other Memphis wing defenders? You know, most notably, you know, Dylan Brooks, Tony Allen, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, how, how does he stack up as a, as a defender? I think he is similar in terms of his versatility to guard different kinds of players. I think it's similar to Dylan, and I think he can guard down to small guards as well as Dylan. I don't know if he can guard up quite as much. He's a little bit smaller. But he is similar to Dylan, to Posey, and to Tony Allen, I think, I think in that he can guard a range of different kinds of players. I think more so than, say, the Anthony Mountain, who I think couldn't scale up, or Battier, who couldn't scale down as much. So that, in terms of like guarding guards on the ball and then guarding bigger guys, I think he can do that sort of in a similar way as Brooks and Allen and Posey. Um, he is not as dynamic a defensive playmaker as Tony Allen, who is. Right. But he's a little bit more of that than Dylan Brooks was. The thing about Dylan was there's sort of two kinds of great defenders. There's the I'm going to lock down my guy defender, and then there's the, I'm going to wreak havoc off the ball. And Dylan was only one. Tony was both. I think this is a little more of both um, in that – First of all, he's a great defensive rebounder. He's the best defensive rebounder of all these guys. He's got the best block rate, I think, of all these guys. His skill rate is not quite at the level of a Posey or, or a Tony Allen. But when you put it all together in terms of being a really good on-ball defender against multiple kinds of players and a guy who can make defensive plays off the ball, to me, he's, 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 he's most similar to Posey that way in other ways. I think Brooks was more, more one-dimensional. And Tony Allen was just like a genius defender who like who would just wreck, wreak havoc on all. He would just blow everything up. So he's not that, but I think he's he's sort of posy like in that he can sort of help you in both ways at a pretty high level. Um, early in the year, you said you know it's all going to come down to whether he can hit shots, uh, and he has hit shots. Um, as is it is it the combination offense defense? Like why why do you settle on James Posey as the comp? I think among Grizzlies players, it's it's lots of things. It, it, it's the uh, it's it, it's to me defensively, he's sort of like Posey. 
he, he's as a shooter, he's a spot up shooter, not not like a movement shooter kind of guy, but he's a good spot up shooter. And I, I think there that sense of to me, and, and physically, he's sort of like Posey. Right. He sort of reminds me of Posey and how he moves, and it's it's, a, it's an aesthetic comp as well as so like a performance comp. But then I also think that that um, and now I'm blanking on what I was about to say. But there, Posey also had that that little bit personality, that sense of um, of sort of uh, uh, that, that who am I this time kind of vibe to him as well. Where he was like the quiet guy who would sort of who would come alive in the in the context of games as well. You you um, you went to your uh, uh, computer and you and you you punched in a bunch of stuff that came uh, out with that, the. F- that's another. That's another part of it. That came out with the following that came out with the following comps, uh, league wide comps. Robert Covington, Danny Green, Nicholas Batum, Jay Crowder, and Royce O'Neal. What numbers went in and Jay and Posey. And Posey. What what numbers went in that those guys came out and what does this tell us? Well, I don't remember like the specific markers, yeah. but but I chose the a essence. few different categories. And I and I, show, and I, put, I set the numbers lower, a little bit lower than what Williams has actually done this season. So I looked at a certain level of three-point shooting, both in terms of uh, volume and efficiency, and maybe, like, I'm making this up, I've seen it, five attempts, possession, like 34, 34. Yeah. Yeah. He's at 38 on the season. But, like, good good three-point shooting numbers, a certain level of uh, the rebounding rate, um, and then I used some other markers in terms of, like, steals per under possessions, blocks, and some other defensive impact stuff, and then set a range of height, you know, wing size, 6'4 to 6'8. And then I cap the usage, because if you don't cap the usage, you might get like Kawhi Leonard popping up or something, right? <laughs> right so right. I looked at like, like, well, like role player types, guys who, right. who aren't stars, you know? And those are the ones, those are all the players who pop up. Sort of like, that's almost like the list, like, you know, when you think of championship level three and D role player types, I mean Posey did that on two title teams after he left Memphis, and Danny Green did that on multiple title teams in different cities, and 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 Jay Crowder was like in the NBA Finals or whatever three years in a row for different teams playing that role, and Covington and Batum didn't have more, didn't find themselves on as good of a team as those guys, but they were maybe even better players. Um, I mean, Covington has sort of been considered one of the elite sort of three and D wing role player guys over the past ten years, and so that's how he's playing right now. And he's playing at the level of those kind of guys. As you look at the good stuff that's happened this year, I mean, it really comes down to three things, right? It's Jaron's progress within, despite already being excellent. It's Desmond's progress despite already being excellent. And there's this, right? Aren't those the three things that we... Well, and, and Gigi Jackson's bubbling up. And I guess that. Yeah, that would be next, maybe. Um, how much do you think... I mean, like, now we see Dar- uh, we see Jaron dealing assists, you know? Um, that is... And that's something I'll write about at some point. I think Drew's got a big Jaron feature he's going to do soon. But at some point, I'll write about Jaron's development on the floor this season. It's interesting to watch these games because the starting lineups are running out which have been sort of successful, like I think surprisingly so, are kind of what you would imagine bitch lineups could be next season, right? Like, who, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you leave Jaron, it's like, you always right. have one starter on the floor with right. your bitch guys. So, like, you can imagine, like, a rotation where, like, you know, Dez and Ja are resting, and, like, Jaron's out there, like, with the bitch unit, and they're, like, running offense through Jaron. Like, he's running pick and rolls, and he's, like, it's working. And so this idea... 
that could be a preview of coming attractions for like how they get through like four minutes in the early second quarter of games next season when they're at full health or lineups like that. Yeah, it's all shockingly hopeful given uh, given what what, what... I. I feel great about the Grizzlies next season yeah. with the with the with the the always enormous like if healthy caveat, right? Yeah, and Stephen Adams and center and all of that, particularly. Um, yeah, well, that, that's that's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, tell us about the new. Uh, tell us about the Memphis Blues box set again. The pieces up at the Daily Memphian. I would urge people to read it. I would urge them to read the Vince Williams piece. Both tremendous. But what is this Memphis Blues box set you wrote about? So this showed up in my mailbox about a, more than a month ago at this point, I guess, in, mid, in mid-December, unsolicited, unannounced. I had no idea. I, I assumed it was some, like, Netflix was wasting money on some film promotional item. And so I opened this thing up, and it is this incredible, it's from Bear Family, which is a, um, a, a German record label, specialty record label, which I'm familiar with. But it's this thing called the Memphis Blues Box. It's 20 CDs. 534 songs from covering from 1914 to 1969 with a 350-page coffee table book um, with extensive notes and artwork and, and bio, just all this stuff. And, like, at the time I looked it up, it was, like, retailing for $400 or whatever. You can get it for 300 now. So I was like, well, this is amazing. I didn't ask for it, but they sent me this. And I, I probably need to write about it. <laughs> um, at the time, I was just swamped. And so I actually, once I found out who the publicist was for this thing, because it didn't even come with, with notes on that, I said, look, if you, if you want, like, I can, I, can, I can just write up some quick notice of this thing exists if you want that out there before Christmas. But, or I can wait until next month when I have time. I'll, I'll do a real story about it. And I'm, I'm thankfully the guy said, so I was going to do either one since they sent it to me. And thankfully the guy said, yeah, the real story would be great. So I ended up interviewing the, the archivist who oversaw the project, this British guy, Martin Hawkins. I did a Zoom interview with him and then wrote it up. And like, I don't know how many people are going to buy this, like who read it or listen or whatever. But even if you're just interested in Memphis culture, I think it's an interesting thing to read about. And if you have Spotify, I did a 40 song sort of sampler uh, playlist you can listen to, listen along with the story. Um, and it is, I mean, it's kind of astonishing. They literally just, like, what inspired them to just, this is... Well, well, their family does stuff like this. I mean, right. you know, it, I mean, they, they've done, they did a Sun Blues box set that's bigger than this, but that's all, it was, you know, alternate takes and unreleased. It was literally like every single piece of sound in the in the archive kind of thing or whatever. So this is what Bear Family does. It's the kind of thing that's sort of, you know... Un- like, like you have to be a pretty hardcore like music historian, right. music fan type to, to know about the stuff. But they do stuff like this. But like when I interviewed the, the archivist who he'd done the Sunbox, he said, "I just look at he said I thought about like what cities could we do and do like just a here's you know the blues the blues of an entire city you know for a big period of time and it could have been New Orleans or it could have been Chicago, but Memphis was the best version of that. So I just went to Bear Family and said, hey, how about we do this? And explained the project to them. And they said, yeah, sounds great. Do it. And so it took him 12 years to put it together. But, yeah, it's a pretty mammoth. The, 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 the songs are fantastic. It's, uh, this, is from your, this is from your piece. Uh, you, you write, it names names. The Beale Street Sheik's Mr. Crump Don't Like It about the mayor, Furry Lewis, Furry Lewis's Judge Harsh Blues about an actual Shelby County criminal court judge, Cannon's Jug Stoppers, Riley's Wagon about a Memphis furniture store that sold on the installment plan and was kicked to repo, uh, and on and on and on. It's got songs, I'm Gonna Bake My Biscuits, My Money Never Runs Out, Cocaine Habit Blues, What Makes a Bow-Legged Woman Crazy About Her Knock-Kneed Man. I mean, 
uh, I heard the voice of a pork chop. What the hell is that? What is I heard the voice of a... It, just reading this was such a delight. Um, those that, 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 yeah. That's all stuff from the late 20s, early 30s. And so one of the points I make is that this, this set spans 50-something years, but it, it, it's heavily concentrated on two time periods. There's, there's, there was this period, the very first commercial recordings in Memphis, late 20s, early 30s. And then there was a period in the early 50s. And, and all that stuff you just mentioned that I wrote about is from the late 20s, early 30s. And to me, that period is the most interesting. And I really think that period of Memphis music is at this point in our history, the most compelling, but almost entirely unknown by most people think about, think about the city of Memphis. I, I mean, I, I, if, I, if, I had the, if I had the means and the talent and the time and whatever, I, I, I could I, I, so much write an entire book. It's just like the lost world of Memphis blues that gets into just sort of the world that is created through that music in the late 20s and early 30s. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks. Chris Harrington uh, from the Daily Memphis. I really need it. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.